I used to go to another doctor, this guy, Dr. Deloso. And when I turned 45, I wanted to get, I, not that I wanted to, but I thought mm-hmm. you needed to get the old, the old pokey bum bum. Mm. And he, at that point, this was a couple of several years ago, he said, no, you don't really. Now it's, it's people are saying age 50, you can wait mm-hmm. till age 50. And I was a little upset. Not that I wanted it, I, but I was just worried. I was like, well, I don't want to wait. Like that's five years where who knows what could go wrong. I really want this now. It has to happen now. It's my birthday. You're like, I wore a tie. Do you smell? This is Dracar Noir. I put on some Vitalis. So I found another guy. I went to this guy, Dr. Bradley Adler. Very. You got a second opinion on the age. The, the poster on, this, on the subway says, I'm all thumbs. At this sort of thing, <laughs> but yeah, and he was okay with it, and um, it wasn't something you know that I was dying to do, but I was, I was happy it was it, it was done, and I felt good about it, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's all it's always awkward though. This this always that oh, yeah. weird thing. He's so friendly. You know, when, when the, 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 the appointments first start and everything's great. And then right after it always ends, you know, it always ends with the, 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 you know, grab the balls and cough. And then I got to turn over, put my elbows on. And then it's almost like you can't look me in the eye. And and I have to tell you, they don't, and I'm always worried. I'm like, shit, my, oh, like I always get worried about that. I'm like, why isn't he like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> what happened what back happened? there? Like we were okay. Everything was good. We were joking. We were talking about running and Disney World and family trips. And now like the guy won't even look at me. Oh, I'm and like, it's what? like, it's like the end of Raiders. He's like, it's beautiful. And then all hell breaks loose. I was, I was, I was going to say the end of Citizen Kane. Rosebud. Yeah. Rosebud. Oh, God. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. You're never fully dressed without episode 51 of Opening Weekend, the podcast that travels back in time to revisit opening weekends of the past and <laughs> revel in that other great American pastime, going to the movies with all friends. <laughs> I'm drunk. Ooh, it's 8 a.m. I've been drinking. No. <laughs> If this Welcome. is anyone's first episode, oh, they just God. ran away screaming. Then they're an idiot. Then they're an idiot. If they're like, I'll start with 51. 51's my favorite number. That's all cut. Welcome to episode 51 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week we travel back to May 21st, 1982, and the North American release of George Miller's Mad Max sequel, The Road Warrior, as well as the big screen adaptation of the Broadway musical adaptation of the comic strip adaptation of a homeless person winning the lottery, Annie, (laughs) and... Steve Martin and Carl Reiner's gimmicky ode to the film noir detective genre, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. But before we dive into the week's releases, where were we all in May of 1982? Was this around when E.T. came out? This had to have been, right? Because right before E.T. Mania was going on right now. E.T. Mania, right? It was like like two, three weeks before uh, E.T. came out. And that's why I, I fucking... Went to see Dead Men Don't <laughs> Wear Plaid right. in the theater with my mom and sister on a Sunday night, probably a seven o'clock show. See the movie. We come out. 
there's a line. I was like, boy, it wasn't that good. I can't believe there's a line for the nine o'clock show. <laughs> you know, I'm 10 years old or whatever. And, and the usher is like, well, you're leaving? Like, yeah, it's done. Like, but you, uh, no, you're, this is the sneak preview for ET. Your ticket is for both, both movies. And we were like, E what now? And my mom was like, no, that's all right. One movie. And you know, I mean, again, you know, it's like a Sunday night at nine. She's like, they got school tomorrow. We're going. I'm not, I'm not sitting. She didn't know. We didn't know what the hell ET meant. So we left. Two days later, like, oh my God, I was at the sneak preview of ET. Every little asshole telling me the whole plot and what happens at the end. Literally, I heard the whole ending oh, on the playground no. before I, yes. Oh. A week and then later, you're I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to let that go. I'm never going to miss a sneak preview of a movie with two letters as a title again. I'm going to see AI and Which it's going to be fantastic. Oh, shit. Oh, I saw that opening weekend too. And I cried and was despondent. Because my grandfather was having heart surgery that weekend. I was in Texas. I saw it with Brian Costello. I was like, oh, maybe Jesus. there'll be uplift here. And no. I just, it just oh, makes God. you question everything about humanity <laughs> and, oh. and, and, and your existence and life and death. And what is the afterlife? What is life? What is anything? And I watched that. <laughs> and then I went and played Hamlet that night. Uh, it was an existential day and night. Wow. Young Jason O'Connell. So now we know where I was. Between 1982 and 2001, <laughs> dealing with the trauma. Uh, when they when Spielberg makes QS the Queen Salmon, <laughs> then I'll be there opening night and I'll be vomiting into a bucket. Wow! And this all started because you didn't see ET. Because I didn't see ET. So yes, wow. this was around the time of ET. Dan, please continue. No, I was just saying. But had you heard, you hadn't heard about it? Like you nothing nothing no, man. made it on your radar about ET. Wow, that's really? surprising, actually. The poster of the hand, it looked scary. It looked like Alien to me. Huh, it looked a yeah. little scary. Oh, right. right well, that's right. true, because I didn't know. I mean, I knew what it was, because this was like Starlog collecting time for me. And, ah. you know, this was like, you know, Spielberg. But I didn't know what it was. I, but I, I think I seemed to recall feeling the same way that I was like, all right, I know Spielberg did Close Encounters and mm -hmm. that movie was sort of scary to me mm -hmm. at that age. I mean, I, I really liked it, but it was a little creepy. So is this going to be something like that? Yeah. And you're right. The poster was sort of creepy, but I knew that it was going to be, and I didn't really understand what ET was either and what's an extraterrestrial. Right. And mm -hmm. like, I remember seeing a special about aliens on, on uh, that's incredible or something or real people, mm -hmm. one of those shows. But mm -hmm. so, yeah, I know what you mean, but like there, there was, I knew the movie was coming, but I don't think I saw it until a little later as well. But yeah, man, that, that you're right, Jason. There were, I mean, the lines that formed for that movie, holy smokes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's my mother's favorite movie of all time, E.T. And uh, it's, it's my beautiful. favorite serial of all time. Remember that was a great cereal. cereal. It was a great cereal. You remember yeah. it, right, Fred? Yeah. Oh, of course. Was yeah. it peanut butter or something? It was little yeah, exactly. It was little E's and little T's, and it was peanut butter and chocolate because of the Reese's. You know, they were like, "Oh, what does ET like? He likes peanut butter and chocolate because he likes Reese's pieces." So they made a, a, a you know, it was basically like if you mixed peanut butter crunch and uh, cocoa puffs together, uh -huh. kind of like that, <laughs> but like um, more sort of powdery and sandy and less appealing. <laughs> <laughs> but Sounds I ate fantastic. it like it was going out of style because wow. it was it, it was, would just sort of become mush. 
So it was your mom's favorite movie. It was your favorite cereal, and it was New Mexico's favorite landfill. Hey, oh, <laughs> because, because of the Atari, Atari games. games. Yeah, there's a great documentary about that. Yeah, huh? yes, there I, is. I like the game. I actually had yeah. no. You know what? I didn't I did have too. it. My friend Peter Vathias had it, and it was one of the most frustrating games. Ever. It was very frustrating, but very satisfying when you finally got through it. Yeah, but you would always just fall into a hole. Yes. I seem to remember. You mm-hmm. would always fall into fucking holes. That's and you'd true. Go, Ouch. And you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> let me just play Pitfall. That's absolutely can, can right. Can we just play Stampede again? You'd be in the hole oh. and you'd be like, this isn't quite as exciting as the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they literally and then they literally put all of the games in a hole I, in I New Mexico. Say, oh, that's why. You know, they were just staying on uh on brand. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, the whole Reese's Pieces thing, you know, it's that M&Ms wouldn't allow them to use, wouldn't allow Spielberg to use their product in the movie. Why? He was going to do M&Ms. Why? They why? just why? thought it was, well, it's really great and ironic because they thought, oh, they thought it was going to be too scary or icky or same thing. You know, they were like, well, I don't know, this weird alien eating. Or, they were like, I, we don't, they didn't approve the use. And then Reese's Pieces, which was huh. relatively new at that point. I think it was like, a, you know, Reese's had been around a long time, the peanut butter cups. But the product Reese's Pieces, the M- their M&M knockoff yeah. was very new. And they were like looking for anything that would be promotional. And they were like, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, you can do it. We don't we don't need to worry about it. And then wow. and then M&M's, <laughs> the Mars company was so upset that they missed the boat on that. That when Spielberg came back to them two years later, asking for the rights to use M&M's and Mars products in Gremlins, they said, great, great, great. It's another movie with little aliens. And then they were pissed off when that movie came out and it was monsters eating their stuff and like murderers <laughs> eating their candy. They're like, we can't fucking win with these people. That was uh, that was Spielberg just fucking with them. He yeah. knew. He was like, yeah, so we would like your product now. And then I'm sure you'll suck it. He's like, no, we're going to use him again in this movie, Eyes Wide Shut. And they're like, wait, Tom Cruise is shoving M&Ms up Nicole Kidman's ass in some weird sex orgy? God damn you, Steven Spielberg. You got us again. That's Stanley Kubrick. That's Stanley Kubrick, though. Yeah, but didn't. Spielberg. Oh no! No, he took over AI. He took over AI. Uh, yeah, I'm confusing it. it all. That's what it was. God damn it! You used M&Ms. Steven Spielberg and Jude Law was shoving them up up Haley Joel Osment's asshole. Come on! We thought we got away with it and eyes wide shut when Kubrick did it. That was okay because it's Kubrick. But you spit. Oh, we can't win. It's okay because it's Kubrick. We expect that of him. Did you see? And we saw the movie with the guy in the bear suit giving the other dude a blowjob and showing. I've always cry. Oh, come on. Uh, Fred's doctor asked for the right to use M&Ms in something or other. Uh, all right, we'll let him. Hopefully it'll be a big smash. Oh, he's shoving them up his butt during the exam. How did I not see that coming? It wasn't even a movie. Why did I get permission? Why is Fred now asking for Snickers and King Size? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Reggie bars. Oh, <laughs> so pointy, so pointy, <laughs> so pointy. Ah, the French. Oh, did you see ET when it first opened, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how this all started? <laughs> I saw it. Yes, in a packed theater, uh, and you know, oh, wow. weeping, weeping children. Hundreds yeah. of weeping children. Yeah, it had to have been the night or the weekend that that it opened. Because I so remember. So what were it being you? Back. You were you were because I I was ten. I was in fifth grade. So you were fourth grade at this point. Is that yes. right? Is this, is yeah. This so I would have been finishing up. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I would have been, this is 82. So I was at the end of fifth grade. Wait, you were at the end of fifth grade? In 1982. Jesus Christ. And going into sixth grade. Christ, why does this happen? I, I, the fuck is wrong with me in these 80s years? I thought I was in fifth grade. You were about to go in. You were just about to go to fifth grade. Just about to. You you had just turned 10 or about to turn 10, no? Because I was eight, about to turn nine. Yeah, stage. you're right. Yep. Yeah. God, my math is just going out the window. Right. So I, okay. So I was at the end of fourth grade. I was in Mrs. Kennelly's class. Okay. okay. All that matters right. was at this point, this was the month that the Starlog magazine came out that had Blade Runner on the cover, oh, that Harrison gosh. shut up. It oh. had Blade Runner and also the thing. And yes. um, there's something, but like that was huge. That was the May 1982 issue. But not Megaforce. Uh, it didn't have Megaforce anywhere in it, in the issue. Um, it may have in that one. I was actually just looking at. I mean, that was a crazy summer. That was Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Wow. Poltergeist. Wow. Poltergeist came out the week before E.T. Star Trek II and Poltergeist came oh out the week God. before E.T. What a week for Spielberg because he produced Poltergeist. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wait. Yeah, this was this would have been a big this would have been a big summer for for movies then. My it was gosh. huge. It was huge. Yeah. Oh my God. You're probably right. There wasn't that much build up because it was like a mystery, right? Didn't mm-hmm. they like sort of like they didn't show you what it, market like. it as like, you're gonna love this, just trust us. We're not mm. gonna show you very much of anything. There's yeah. kids in it, so you'll be fine. Um, but bring your families because it's gonna it's gonna yeah. blow your minds. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we all trusted that basically. Yeah. I yeah. guess because of close encounters, right? And because of Spielberg's cred up to that point. And Raiders. Raiders, the year Raiders before. Come, you know, yeah. so but I remember, yeah, you never really saw pictures of E.T. Not himself or itself but i remember right. there was one picture that i saw and it might have been it might have been in starlog and it was from it was a profile but i remember making <laughs> huh. from that picture and this was before i saw the movie so it must have been a picture that i saw in starlog or something i i made like this wax carving it was for an art class where we had to do it was like a rectangle of wax and then we would carve out pictures and put paint in there and paint it. And I remember I did the profile of E.T. for that. Even but before I seeing the movie? Sure. I, I feel yeah. like it was. I feel like it was wow. based on a picture because at that point I was so into my Starlog magazines and I was so into, you know, the movies and behind the scenes and this and that. Right. So I saw this. I was like, oh, okay, this is the the next big thing. I don't really know what this is, yeah. but it's Spielberg and it's an alien and it's special effects and it's all the shit that I like or I'm supposed to like. Yeah. So I did that and I remember kids were like, what is that? And I'm like, yeah. it's E.T. I, I was always like that too. I would draw like in anticipation of stuff. I'd be excited yeah. for something to come out and I would draw. I remember drawing the entire Ghostbusters poster, the three of them looking up at the like that weird green <laughs> swirl in the sky. It's like they're coming to save the world. Did or you, were our faces superimposed on Not them? Not yet, but I was Damn thinking, it. well, the way I drew, my my skills were so poor that they all did end up looking more like us than the <laughs> Even the though you hadn't actors. even met us at that point, but I you know, just knew. Just weird, like, right? eh, kind of yeah. had your hair, his nose. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, but yeah, it was like, I don't know, this movie looks... I don't know. Is it scary, funny, whatever? You know. Well, you'd um, go to the movie theater and you'd see the posters and you would spend time looking at the posters. Staring, and being like, oh, yeah. that's coming. That's coming. That's coming. I mean, I still kind of do that at the movie theater. You know, um, I had the ET board game. Yes, Did me you guys too. have that. That yeah. was fun. It came with a little, little his his spaceship. 
mm-hmm. and you would put him inside there and go bark. Oh, I don't think I have that off. one. Um, and uh, yeah, the ET cereal. And uh, what were your what were your other? I meant to ask what were your other favorite cereals of this era? I love sugar smacks. Oh, did you? Yeah, sugar smacks. I remember smacks you were a Golden Grams guy in 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 yes, college. Yes, you yes. College, Golden yeah. Golden I feel like everyone goes through like cereal phases. Mm-hmm. You know, where like you're like, this is it. This is this is the cereal. Uh, remember when I got? Remember when we were living together, Jason yes, Queens? Of course. And I was convinced that Julie Smith <laughs> Julie was Smith stealing was my saying, Golden Grams. Yeah. Wow. And you marked the inside of the box, I think, till I and, and you were like, Jacques. Wow. <laughs> wow, like the and father in uh, Long Day's Journey, marking the whiskey bottle. Okay. Wow. Whatever it worked, he yes. found out the culprit. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> kidding me? That was it. And it was her. She did steal. I mean, she, I mean, Julie I mean, she Smith, had some. If you're cereal. listening now, you have the chance to reconcile. <laughs> you have a chance to redeem yourself. It's okay. You know what? Send an envelope of golden gram dust to this address. <laughs> that would be amazing. No, it's fine. We we already talked about the time when we were doing measure for measure, and I kept going up in my lines, and she wanted to kill me because oh, I kept blanking on him. So this this That's was revenge. Right. That that was fine. That was payback. That's probably what she was thinking as she ate it. She was like, "You son of a bitch! You're gonna learn some lines now." You're <laughs> 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 He'll learn some lines. And then he's like, yeah, I'll give you lines. Lines on the box. Boom. Oh, <laughs> boom. Which brings us to our first film, Lines on the Box. Should Sorry. we just talk about E.T. this episode? I, I was like, I was like, Let's well, for that. God's sake. Let's just We're do talking that. about E.T. And then I was looking at like schedule. I was like, I was like, well, maybe we'll hit um, E.T., you know, ne- you know, because I wouldn't do it so close to this episode. And then I was like, oh, no, next year. We're supposed to do Star Trek two and Poltergeist like that. There's so many good weekends yes. in 1982. There, there are a few years when I'm making this schedule. Here are the years that keep cropping up, like keep cropping up continually. <laughs> 1982, 1987, uh-huh. 1997, 1999. Mm. Most of our movies seem to come from those years. Isn't for some reason, those, they were Just all big years then. for movies. But 1989 was one of the biggest years for movies. But. And we've done a few of those, but I don't know. It's funny how certain things keep coming up. Keep Listen, coming well, up. we got to stick. We got to stick with the list. We, we're not yeah. going to do E.T. It's this list. There's no gray areas. It's black and white. It's uh, all black and white. That's good, Fred. That's real good. Black and white is the way movies used to get made. <laughs> Which brings us to our first film, and also dovetailing with E.T., Schindler's List. Sorry. No. But it was also true in that movie, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, my God. I didn't remember anybody wearing plaid in that. Steve Martin, Ham, Rigby Reardon in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Will $200 be enough in advance, Mr. Reardon? 200, I'd shoot my grandmother. No criminal is too tough for him. <laughs> He'll laugh in the face of danger. He'll dace in the fange of laughter. The people who brought you the jerk try to make it up to you. When a famous cheesemaker dies in a freak car crash, his daughter, played by Rachel Ward, is convinced that it was no accident. She thinks he was murdered for his top-secret recipes, and to prove her theory, she hires Detective Rigby Reardon, played by Steve Martin, to find out what happened to the missing man. Reardon's quest brings him face-to-face with movie legends such as Humphrey Bogart, Alan Ladd, Cary Grant, Betty Davis, Fred McMurray, and Burt Lancaster via footage from classic film noir crime thrillers. 
Carl Reiner and Steve Martin's follow-up to The Jerk took in $4.3 million over its opening weekend on its way to a disappointing $18.2 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid? This was such an odd movie. I was so confused. <laughs> I, I, I'm full, full disclosure. I had to watch it twice because I started to watch it last night and I fell asleep. Mm. Yeah, not that I was bored by it. I was just, I just, I was tired. tired. I don't know. I've been falling asleep earlier lately. But I was so confused because <laughs> I didn't see it when it first came out, but I, I, well, I thought I had clear memories of seeing clips of it at my friend Josh Kleinberg's house on either maybe on HBO or maybe they had taped it at that point. And, you know, I was, I really liked Steve Martin. I'd seen The Jerk and just, you know, from his various appearances. And I can't remember, did The Man with Two Brains come out before this? Or was that mm, after? No, it was a year later. It was, it was after. Okay. okay. And so I started to watch and I'm like, wait a minute, where, what? Where's the singing? Don't they do? Isn't there? And then I'm realizing that I'm confusing it with Pennies from Heaven, mm -hmm. which was the movie that right. the year, I think it was the year before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait a minute. What was I watching at the Kleinberg's <laughs> house? Was it dead? Because I remember watching scenes <laughs> that were in black and white and, and juxtaposed with old movies. But then I remembered him lip syncing old timey songs <laughs> and Bernadette Peters. And I'm just thinking, what am I? I, yeah. I don't, maybe my brain was so addled with confusion that it put me to sleep. <laughs> I was, my brain was too tired. Probably. Uh, so it's easy to conflate them because you're right. They are back to back. Kate was asking me, we're watching it. She's like, I've never seen him with hair like that. And I'm like, yeah, he never did. And I'm like, except in the movie he did right before this pennies mm -hmm. from heaven. Yeah. That's the only time he had slicked back black hair and, and it was it's a, so a period piece. Yeah. A period yep. piece. Yeah. That's isn't right. that interesting? That, so weird. That he did them sort of back to back. Mm -hmm. And then when I, you know, watched it, you know, in, in not a sleep deprived state, I still found it a really curious, strange movie. Like, yeah. why? It's, why yeah. would you? Why would you do this? Now, I was also laughing like a lunatic through much of it. <laughs> what are you doing? Adjusting your breasts. You fainted and they shifted all out of whack. There. Thank you. You're welcome. It's it's a, it's very funny. I, I found it very funny. It's so absurd. And I didn't <laughs> think it funny. was going to have that absurd Steve Martin humor, you know, but and he's so good in it. I mean, he really <laughs> plays a great gumshoe. Uh, and, and God, Rachel Ward is she's great. What she's great. She's gorgeous. She's still around. She's married. To, she's married to Brian Brown from if -X. Yeah. Another two letter movie. Did you see that one on opening night? <laughs> that I movie I did see on opening night. Okay. Yeah. I, I saw that at Hofstra, or maybe it was FX2 with you Probably guys. FX2. Probably. Right. With Brian Dennehy. Yes, uh, yes that's correct. Yeah, Rachel Ward is, she was in another movie around this, uh, uh, shortly after this called Fortress, which scared the fuck out of me. Where she plays an, she, she plays an Australian school teacher, and they basically... These like bank robbers or these murderers take over the school and oh, kidnap cool. them and they have to escape and they turn the tables on them anyway. Uh, but she's, she's really good in this and just absolutely 
gorgeous. She's yeah. so beautiful. I kept, I kept confusing her with time. I was like, who, I think I kept thinking that she was uh, Sean Young in Blade Runner. You, you read my mind, Jason. Oh, I was really? like, I was like, boy, she reminds me of Sean Young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think because they're both playing those those film noir archetypes. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, you're right. right. In, in, in both right. movies, I mean, Blade yeah, Runner is basically, right. you know, a, a version of Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Ah, the French. It seemed like this would be something you would like see. Like one scene in a movie, in a Steve Martin movie, where it would just be him with, you know, old yeah, movies, you right. know, just splicing the clips. Not an entire movie. Not, you know, well, a 90 yeah. minute movie. Of that's that. the thing. It's a one joke. I, I mean, there's a lot of jokes in it. There's a lot of funny yes. bits in it, a lot of funny lines. Steve Martin's great. But it is like the conceit of the film, the reason for its existence. It's you get what it is early on and it never really it never veers from that. It's just, we're just going yeah. to keep, you know, so it's clever. It's a very clever experiment. It's very well done. It's Edith an experiment. Head exactly. The, it's an experiment. Yeah. Edith Head did the costumes for this, as she probably was the costumer on some of those on movies, many of those on many movies. of those actual Absolutely. films. Yeah. It yeah. was her last film, but but you do see like, mm-hmm. guy, he looks so freaking great in those suits. And it does, it's like, if you squint your eyes or if, if the leads are turned away from the camera for a second, you're like, that could be a clip. You know, it's so well done. Carl Reiner recreates so. Oh, yeah. It's so, so, so well done. But at the same and funny, very funny. Steve Martin's great. But at the same time, it is like, huh, why? You do keep asking why. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when I watched it, you know, I'm really glad that I watched it again, because when I was watching it the first time, I sort of in and out. I, I got a little angry after a while. One, because I just wanted to go to sleep. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to watch this. this stupid podcast. I, I got to stay up and watch this movie. No, that's not why at all. But I, I, I was sort of thinking just like, what's the point? Like, what is, what's going on? And then watching it again, I, I did. I laughed all the way through. I found it really funny. Now, I'm not a big, you know, I don't know a lot of those old movies that were Me used. Either. I mean, a few of them I recognize, you know, I was like, all right, that's White Heat. And I mean, I knew all the people. Yeah, you love Cagney. That, that would have must have been thrilling for you yeah. to see that, how they did that, because that was very I mean, funny with him as the I, mother. I don't know if I <laughs> use the word thrilling. None of it was thrilling. I wasn't like, oh, that's so cool. Look, he's with Vincent Price. It was fun, <laughs> you know, and obviously at some points, you know, it was very, you know, some things are very clever how they intersplice and other things. It's just funny where Steve Martin's like, okay, he doesn't buy that I'm a woman. So say this, you know, be right. like, say, say, oh, ma, no, 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 ma. And then it cuts to Cagney going, oh, yeah. no, ma, I'm on. You know, like, that's funny. Like, just, well, how do we make it work? The Veronica so, Lake thing is very funny of like, she'll never say, <laughs> I can't do it. And then oh, the next <laughs> thing, I can't do it or whatever yeah, that bit exactly. is. And that's it. That's all yeah, she does. And that's it. Which is a funny, pay, like, it, it, yeah, I kept thinking about the construction of things. I was like, there's. They pay off in a funny way, the way they mm-hmm. need to pay off. Yeah. But it's also lazy. It's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, here's a clip of somebody saying something. It's like, and then you'll be like, oh, what are you going to say now? The thing that I'm going to cut to the clip of? And then they yeah. do. And you're like, uh, you know, I we're going to make a movie where it's all us on an adventure with Bill Cosby. And he just keeps saying, we'll figure out ways for him to just say that one line and like parts of it. And we'll never. And that'll be our experiment. It'll be like he never says anything else. He never says I'm eating pudding. 
I'm sorry for all the roofing. He'll never say anything else. He won't call out for Felicia Rashad or Theo or anybody. <laughs> he will just have to say that line. But we'll have a whole great and we'll hire some fantastic actor who from all angles, but right in front of his face looks like Bill Cosby. And that's I, I, it's a million dollar idea. It's only one million dollars, which is not a lot when you're making a movie. If you only make a million dollars, not a success, but that's what we're going to do. I have been in this business 52 years and I will. I've never seen anything like this. I've seen you before. You're the asshole on TV. And reality is the situation. What the fuck are you talking about? Dan, what do you think of Dan? <laughs> no, I was going to say we could splice in other. We could. Here's what we'll, we'll do our version of Devil and Don't Wear Plaid. We splice in other podcasts. <laughs> we put in a little bit of fresh air. We put a little bit of Mark, Mark Maron's podcast. Like yeah. podcasts that people want to listen to and that cereal. people enjoy. Yeah, we put in parts of cereal and then we talk about cereal. Yeah. What were your favorite cereals from the 1980s? Uh, oh, this God. movie, yeah, it's a gimmick movie, right? And and yeah. it, uh, part of it, you're going, all right. When are we going to get to the next? When is Bogey going to show up? As soon as yeah. as soon as I saw, you know, it, it, it played a little trick on me because I didn't recognize Alan Ladd, which is the first one. But I yes. went, that's somebody. That's Paul. Mu I kept thinking that's Paul Muni or somebody. Who, who the fuck is that? You know. And what's neat is when you watch it on Amazon, if you pause, it tells you who it is and yeah. what movie it's from. So I kept doing <gasps> oh, that, and it was really kind of neat. Um, and then, of course, you see Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman and, and you know, a, a, and you go, OK, when's Bogey going to show up? And then Bogey shows up. It's like Bogey a major from part in the whole film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's like he's he's actually Marlowe. He's, he's Which the, is great, he's actually. He's the second lead. Yeah. That's right. That's it's right. Funny. He's a major part. Um, and it's three different movies, three different Bogey movies that they take from, which is, I think, fun. But after a while, you kind of go, it, the movie's doing two things after a while. After a while, you go, oh, it's just excuses to get to the next bit. The plot is the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins. It right. makes no sense. It's unfollowable. But I think and, that's and the point. That's the point. Yeah. If you watch yeah. The Big Sleep or Maltese Falcon, it, they're unfollowable. You can't. Yeah. It's just to get him to the next uh, element of peril mm -hmm. or the next place where he's going to be, you know, be roughed up or roughing somebody up. It's it's just excuses to get to the next thing. How many times in this movie is Rachel Ward going to come in and go, I found this in daddy's study. Like she does it <laughs> 75 times. You know, it's very, and it also puts her as a person of suspicion, right? So that kind of works yeah. in that way. So the movie's doing that as it's going along. It's leaning hard into like, remember how absurd these movies are? Well, we're going to, we're going to up the ante on that. But it also leans more into spoof yeah. as it goes. The first third of this movie is not terribly spoofy. Yeah. You know, it goes harder into Mel Brooks land the, the more it goes and it gets funnier. I wasn't laughing at all in the first half hour. With the you know? coffee? You didn't laugh at the coffee oh thing? Oh my God, the coffee that and the hilarious. eggs was fucking hysterical. I was hysterical. screaming. That, that was hysterical. very, and very I, funny. And I kept saying, I was like, please keep going. Please keep going. I yeah. remember and that he, from he, the movie theater. take oh. a second bag of coffee out of the thing <laughs> yeah. and start that. I was like, here comes the second bag. And I was like, oh, it didn't happen. <sighs> oh but God, was that was very, so good. very, very, very funny and very well played and totally deadpan. Yes. No, I, but yeah, I wanted, that that's a perfect example, Fred, because I wanted more things 
things like that from the get go. And I wanted this to, to lean hard into like young Frankenstein land. And then it would have had me. The problem is it never ups the ante. I mean, you say it's 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 an experiment. It's a trick. It's a ju- but when you see and it could be any other kind of movie, it could be the road warrior. It could be uh, mm. E.T. It could be anything where it's like, I kind of get what this is doing. How does it up the ante? How does it, or I get the sleight of hand. I get the trick. How do you, I kept waiting for them to, there was one scene and this is just a very simple visual trick, not simple, but it's a visual trick that you see all the time. And in, in, even in TV shows of the era where, you know, like, oh, they can't be sharing the frame at the same time. There's the, the scene right. where Steve Martin's on the train and Cary Grant gets on the train and they're actually in profile talking to each other. There's yeah. only one or two shots in the whole movie that are like that, where yeah, they're right. sharing. A, it's mostly cutting from the Steve Martin version editing, to the old yeah. movie. It's just editing. And I thought, oh, now we're going to start going someplace different where the characters and the technology wasn't there yet. But in a few years, you get to Roger Rabbit land and maybe they could have done something where all the characters are sharing the screen. I thought, is there ever going to be a scene where at one point it's just Steve Martin off to the side and never saying anything and just and, and you find a way to masterfully cut a conversation between all the great movie stars of yesteryear it, yes, from a million different the movies. Big the payoff, the right, big, it's like, it, it's always like, it needs to build to like, what's the payoff. And it, in right. that sense, to me, it drops the ball because I felt like, well, now the clips really took such a backseat by the end. Cause then they're wrapping up their big comic idea yeah. that, that I didn't notice as many of the clips anymore. And I was like, well, that's upping the ante in the wrong way, because if you're using mm-hmm. that, you know, it's yeah, like, we don't I, we'll use all this plot. to get to, who right. gives a shit. That's what I was saying. I was like, you can't give yourself over to the story. Cause there's no story. It's a there's con. No it's a joke. It's a, yeah. it's a big right. joke. So it's like, yeah. it's like, to me, it was like the naked gun too, in a great way. Or like, and this is the same year as police squad. This is uh-huh, with the TV uh-huh. show that came out More the same. Day. In fact, yeah. in fact, literally police squad was on television at the exact same time as this movie. Cause I remember in May right. of 82 watching police squad on TV and eating it up. And I think it's why I wanted to go see this movie. Cause I loved, I was very just starting to get into mad magazine. So anything that was like mm-hmm. a riff or a parody of any kind of genre, anything Airplane, I was really into. Stuff. Right. Uh. So yes, yes. Very much in that vein too. And I still thought it was very funny, but I kept thinking like, now I want to see like where this escalates, where the idea, the conceit behind this whole experiment escalates to a place where you're like, well, that's why, that's why they did it this way, because you get this gigantic, delicious payoff. And it never quite had that for me. I mean, I almost wonder if like, if it would have been, I mean, maybe this would have been too ridiculous, but like, yeah, if it was just, they kept doing the cuts, but then it just almost became chaotic, like King Kong is there, like the Marx Brothers come oh, running in. Yeah. Like, that it just turns into like pure chaos where That's nothing what Mel makes Brooks sense. Done with it. Yeah, which may not have been a good thing. <laughs> you know, because again, I've said this before, Mel, Mel Brooks is, is, is amazing, but right. he also needs his Gene Wilder. He needs someone to, to temper, to him, temper yeah. that. Yeah. But right. uh, I, I, I did, I really loved... Um, <laughs> I like, although in some ways you're absolutely right, Jason. That's what it needed to happen. Because in in some ways it does get more ridiculous as it's going. Like the whole thing with Carlos in the pajamas. I thought that was hysterical. Yes. That's Poppy it, from Seinfeld. Yeah, I know, I know. Poppy. <laughs> but it just makes no sense that he's no, always it's idiotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and idiotic. Even, but and it carries through to the end. He's got a line at the end or something. He's like, "I'll fix your pajamas for you" or something like. That's his last line in the movie. <laughs> so, like in yes, in that respect, it does start to get more and more ridiculous and absurd. But you're right. The conceit, the whole thing that the movie is it, 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 it is based on that they've rested the movie on does 
sort of disappear and take a back seat. Don't go near my daughter again. Don't try to see her. Don't write her and don't phone her. Can I use her underwear to make soup? <laughs> Get out. I'd frame you or kill you if it would protect my daughter. And I brought you a puppy. Something you never had as a boy. Oh, get out. Come on, Ramon. You don't deserve a puppy. Yeah, you almost wanted some to, to end more with, with the clips, with something, with all those characters like coming back. Like the end of back. Casablanca or something. Like you find a reason for, yeah. you know, for Steve Martin to be dressed. I don't know. But like something, you know, like or something with him Bogart. Fully, him and Bo- yes, put him fully in a Bogart movie. Like put him yeah, all yeah, the yeah. way in it and just have him exist. You know, change worlds. You know what I mean? Yes. Have yes, him yes. in one of those old timey movies. Put him in the middle of the big sleep or something, you know. Which again, I think was a, te- a technology limitation. I think they did Maybe, it in a couple yeah. Places course, where they yeah. did it, either like, oh, look, <laughs> you know, they're they're occupying the same frame. But, you know, it, it's uh, like I say, a few years later, you they can do probably it. would have gotten bolder and more ambitious with how to end it because the technology would have made it easier or, you know, possibly or maybe not. Or maybe they'd be like this. This was the means to the end. And now we get to do this silly ending and, you know, whatever. It's true. I loved um her line, which is a spoof of a line from uh, yes. uh, To Have and Have Not. If you need me, just call. You know how to dial, don't you? You just put your finger in the hole and make tiny little circles. Which takes us back to Fred at the doctor. <laughs> yes. Now, is that what you said to him back there? All the no. time. Back but there. Yeah. Back there. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, um, I loved seeing clips from Notorious. That's my favorite. uh, One of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Ah. It's probably like third or fourth under Ah. uh, Psycho from me. Um, That's with the Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman with the key. That's all from Notorious. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, yay, Notorious. Notorious." (laughs) Um, And the other Cary Grant um, um, thing of him on the trains from Suspicion, which is another another great Hitchcock movie. But it made me want to see all those old movies. You know, that's what it made me want to do. And Taylor said the same thing. She's like, I'd rather be watching, you know, I'd rather be watching The Lost Weekend and The Killers with Burt Lancaster. That was The Lost Weekend, wasn't it? With Ray Milland. Yeah, Yeah. Ray Milland. Yeah. 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 Who is the man with the x-ray eyes, if you've ever seen that crazy, crazy Roger Corman movie. Um, So, yeah. Wasn't he in that movie with Rosie Greer where they share heads? Like, it's about the (laughs) the racist guy who's got to get stitched together with... There's a movie what? where like there's, there's a movie where like and it's about race relations. It's from With like, Ray it's, Milland it's, and Rosie it's Ray, Greer. Ray Milland and Rosie Greer share with like two heads on one body or something. Okay. What the fuck are you talking about? It's <gasps> called The Thing with Two Heads. Yep. Oh and it's my from the 60s. God. I have been in this business fifty-two years and I will I've never seen anything like this. Come on now. <gasps> And reality is the situation. All right, we have to. We absolutely have to see that. We have to see that. I'm I'm lukewarm on dead men don't wear plaid. I I I wanted it to up the ante on the funny. Everything you guys are saying is right on the money about it. Um, I I I do think you're right, Fred. I think Carl Reiner is easing us in. It does feel like an homage at the beginning, and then it gets into spoof land. Um, I just wanted it to be. I don't know. I wanted to be more Zucker Abrams Zucker. I wanted it to be more more Mel Brooksian as it went. And it didn't, it didn't go there far enough Hmm. for me. I like Steve Martin. 
I like him best in things where he's the straight man, you know, and so this does kind of kind of work uh, uh, for me because of how deadpan he's playing it. Um, but I did. I don't know. Something was a little bit missing for me in his in his performance. Something was a little bit lacking and I can't quite put my finger on it because it absolutely should have worked. I think it might just be. I don't know. When you look at Bogey next to him or, or interspliced with him, you go, oh, he's grizzled. He's world weary. He's got that craggy, sunken, you know, face. And Steve Martin doesn't. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I think maybe it's just he's he's just too. I don't know. He's just too pretty for it in a way. In a way, he's just he's not quite. It, it, he didn't ring true for me in the in that way of a Philip Marlowe you know, um, kind of guy. Like you think of people like Robert Mitchum, you know what I mean? Of like these like world weary guys who played these old timey noir detectives. And Steve Martin just isn't that for me. It's not in how he's playing it. He's playing it fine. But I just, I don't know. He well, from the fit visual in the like, genre who, for me, but I get why he's in it. And I love the jerk. I mean, I, I fucking, lo- that's the other thing I love, I love Steve Martin movie. in is yeah. when he's totally whacked off the wall. Yeah. Not Looney Tunes back in action type of, of whacked off the wall, but in the jerk when he's, you know, the dumb guy trying to figure it out. I love that. So who would have worked in this? Bill Murray? He's got a I was thinking Bill Murray face. would probably yeah. be the other option. Yeah, I would have loved Bill Murray. He's got some texture. Sure. He's got yeah. some texture. <laughs> he, does. He, does. he does. He does. He's he does. lived. Yeah. He's lived the life. Yeah. I don't know. I, re- I, I really, I see what you're saying, but I really like Steve Martin in this. And yeah. The, the yeah, look no, didn't. I, I still bought the look from him, you know. How many Sheilas? I'm going to go... What did I give? What were last week's uh, who movies? Who knows? You've <laughs> got to go back and listen. You gave you gave you gave more gave to the Gong Show than to Shining, and you gave ten to Empire Strikes Back. That's all I know. I gave a six point five to the Gong Show, so I will give this a seven. I was going to go six point five on this. I was originally oh. going to go six. I just went up to six point five. Well, then I, I have to go six point five. Then I, I, I like I'm six point seven five. I was like six point <laughs> five or seven, and then I I was like six point seven five. Yeah. So we're all. Because it's definitely something, you know, it's, I I thought it was really funny. I thought you were going to be higher, Fred. I thought you were going to be quite considerably higher. No, because it's still, it's, (laughs) it's it's still a strange movie. You know, it's not something, there's other movies, there are other movies I would say check out before this, but you know, if you got some time, check it out. You know what? If you can't watch it today, watch it tomorrow. Tomorrow. (laughs) It's only a day away. So watch it then. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I like the way you said it. I wish you had played. I have this image now of Fred <laughs> in a little red dress. A little, Go a on. Little, a little, <laughs> I'm not your doctor. Ah, the French. I end with a, <laughs> with a little on stage just saying, tomorrow. Tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. Can I have snack now? <laughs> Annie. Action. It takes place in hard times and still shimmers with glamour, with characters both in front and in back of the camera. Complete rehearsal. The movie of tomorrow Very good. is in production today. Of course, it's Annie. It's only a dream away. (laughs) 
Living in an orphanage run by the Dickensian Miss Hannigan, played by a delightfully over-the-top Carl Burnett, Annie, played by Aileen Quinn, believes that her parents left her there by mistake. When an obscenely rich capitalist named Oliver Warbucks, played by Albert Finney, decides to let an orphan live at his home for a single week to promote his image, his assistant Grace, played by Anne Ranking, selects Annie. Despite growing accustomed to her new life in Warbucks' mansion, Annie still longs to meet her parents, so the millionaire announces a search for them, including a reward which brings out many frauds, including Miss Hannigan's brother Rooster and his girlfriend Lily, played by Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters. The Depression-era wish-fulfillment fantasy, directed by Hollywood legend John Huston and based on the hugely successful Broadway musical of the late 1970s, earned only half a million dollars over its opening weekend, but went on to amass over $57 million during its theatrical run. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Annie? I loved it. I love that Fred's rolling his eyes. He's Me too. his head in his hands. I love I Annie. adored it. I didn't. I definitely saw this as a kid, probably multiple times, because anyone who had a big sister or little sister, for that matter, watched Annie 47 trillion times. Right? I saw this as many times as Superman as a kid. Those are yeah. the two movies that went back and forth at our yeah. house. But I had forgotten so, so, so much of it. And and I remember also like, you know, being kind of scared by it in a way. Also, mm. just because it's orphanage. I didn't like the scary you know, the Tim Curry and Carol Burnett characters mm. were scared. I remember them being scary to me. I thought Daddy Warbucks was kind of scary, <laughs> you know. And, you know, it's not like I'm five. I'm eight. Why am I still scared by these? <laughs> like, by, by archetypes. Fake, yeah, exactly. <laughs> by fake people in a movie. Yeah, archetypes. Exactly. But, man, this was just so fucking delightful. I loved it. I loved it. It's a little long. It's a little lengthy. I still loved it. It was charming. You're stacked to the rafters with Broadway legends in this thing. Mm -hmm. And Ryan King, who just passed a few months ago. Holy shit. Now She's I need the to only see good thing about it. You're incorrect. In you're my opinion. So She's gorgeous. She's amazing. When she danced, I was like, yay. Every, everything around it, I was going to. Carol Burnett is brilliant. Carol Burnett is loud. She's, loud. Loud. She's in my top 10 now of, 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 uh, of comedic performances. Dude. She Holy just shit. made mine too. I yeah. was watching it. I was like, oh my God. She's Because I remembered as a kid loving it so loving it so much that as a 12-year-old boy or 11-year-old boy, because we watched this on video, I remember in sixth grade being like, I really want to play Miss Hannigan. I want to play Miss Hannigan. <laughs> and like the girls uh, in my class would sing little girls on the playground. And I would be like, I want to just bust out. I know all the lyrics, but I, I can't do this right now. Little cheeks, little teeth, everything around me is little. If I ring little necks, surely I would get an acquittal. the flu anything that you can do to a little 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 Kate can tell you I rewound so many things I was like that's brilliant yes. that's brilliant oh that's so funny that's so funny just with her performance Tim yes. Curry and, and Bernadette Peters I remembered being funnier or bigger presences in it than they ultimately are. But that I, easy street but number. So oh my God. It's fantastic. I easy street. <laughs> easy 
Hard Knock Life, that was the one my sister and her friends used to sing all the time. And and that is one of the best choreographed, filmed dance choreography sequences, I think, ever. That was the thing I had to rewind. Or, you know, when the movie was over, I went back and was like, I need to watch It's Hard Knock Life again because they're doing flips. They're doing backflips, front flips. It's so intricate what they're having these kids do yeah. i've never seen kid choreography like that it is great it is baby's great. day out it was a joke well <laughs> this is second this is a close second okay. to everything that jacob joseph and adam are doing in baby's day out <laughs> as they're crawling through the streets What it what a again what a gift and what a treat to see and Ryan King do her thing and Carol Burnett is she's laser beam fucking specific <laughs> she's so good with how she's doing every moment in this thing mm-hmm. her big number everything with the girls everything in Easy Street I mean she's just so precise yeah. she's so fucking precise and she's still finding it and having fun and and in the moment uh, as well and and you you she's she's got her feet on both sides of that line, I think, uh, I, I think really, really brilliantly. And, you know, you get to hear Albert Finney sing. What's better than that? <laughs> you know what I mean? You get to hear him sing. And is he an old timey song and dance man himself? He's got to be. Because he he's has all those, he has all those skills. Like, he's especially in that, like goddamn Ben in that, he's moving. In that final number too. I was like, oh yeah. wow. But he was in the musical of Scrooge from like the of early seventies. It made me think of like, um, um, uh, Olivier in the entertainer or something. I was like, oh, he could play something. Like he has all the, you don't think of like these, these Shakespeare guys having those skills <laughs> right. or like somebody, you know, those, that, that uh, era of Brit, you know, you feel like mm-hmm. that's a different kind of thing, but yeah. Why'd you so hate good. it, Fred? Yeah, why? tell us why you hate it. I mean, much like Tommy Lee Jones couldn't <laughs> sanction the buffoonery of Jim Carrey <laughs> in Batman and Robin. Uh, uh, Batman I, forever. I, Batman, Batman forever. forever. Please, please get your pieces of shit straight. <laughs> <laughs> that's also what Fred said to his doctor. <laughs> Ah, the French. I couldn't there sanction this. It wasn't even buffoonery, because buffoonery can be funny, and I just found it. I found the whole movie boring and uninspired. And what's so Fre- funny uninspired. is, Fred. yeah, completely uninspired. Did you yes, ever see it? Yes, and remember, as a kid? I, I, I saw it as a kid, and I didn't like it as a kid, uh-huh. and I remembered that as soon as it started. I'm like, oh, I didn't like this as a kid, and I thought, well, is it? What? And I wondered, was it because like, well, I'm a boy, and this is a movie about girl? Like, I don't know what it mm-hmm. was. I don't think it was that, but that's what I was wondering. I, yeah, it, you're right, I, and I and I jumped the gun with. I, I did find N ranking gorgeous when she started to dance i was really blown away i was like wow carol burnett is genius in this yeah she's amazing and i think i was just so like i think i was just so bogged down by the rest of the movie that i almost forgot about her performance (laughs) and thinking about it i i don't right from the beginning right from the credit sequence i just thought this is how you're starting it. I thought it was so <laughs> uninspired. Like they, it, they could have been such, such great world building there. I agree. I you know, agree, you have Fred. that overture. I do. I'm agree. like, oh, yeah. show the city. Show you know, do something. Yeah, you're just John fucking it. Houston. 
And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it was almost like, it was like an afterthought to me, I thought. And <laughs> mm. that I couldn't was, believe it was John Houston. I was like, John Houston? Yeah. yeah. Uh, made this, didn't he do like the treasure of the Sierra Madre? Yeah, like, he did all these amazing the movies. Director, yeah, right? and it was... <laughs> You know, and in many ways, yes, the credit sequence was, you know, I don't want to base, I'm not basing the movie on the credit sequence, but you could also say, all right, well, that's what a movie, like, you know, similar to what Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, you know, it was mm. doing a movie of that, that yeah, style and era and that's how it started. And, yeah. But I don't know, for some reason, right off the bat, I was like, hmm, <sighs> what is it? I kept trying to figure out what it was. It might've been. What's the girl's name who played Annie? Annie? Annie. Annie. I, was, I was just going to say, Fred, it may have been her performance because yeah. it, is, it is cloying after it a while. Is. It's just she's, mawkish. And, yeah. and I hate to say that. She's a kid and she did her best and she had I some moments. She, she had some moments that were really nice, but it just Absolutely. all seemed, everything was so very surface and really thin. I hear and, you. I hear and you unfortunately, I don't think she was at that time good enough of an actress to go further like i when she was spunky i didn't really buy the spunky you know yes. yeah uh, like and when then she's when, like, when, like she put up her fists it's like yeah. it was just cutesy it's like she couldn't really be and when she was scrappy. like playing them you yeah. know when she was playing daddy warbucks to to you know to get him to change his mind like i just didn't i didn't buy it it was all just very paper thin to me mm. uh and I hate to say this, it just distracted me the whole movie. Punjab? Punjab has magical how, powers. Not magical powers. Is that a nice way of saying how completely effeminate and like how he was floating? I mean, I that never guy, thought about the effeminate quality. I, I thought, like, oh, I that. thought, I thought, ooh, this My is, this is probably, you know, a problem. It's problematic Huge now, the mystical you, black man. But I never thought about, about him being Robert Redford's effeminate. son. In 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 the natural, not being able to throw a ball, he like threw God. a bomb at the end. I I expect him to squeal to be like ah. I mean, it was. <laughs> he does remind. It's Jeffrey Holder, right? Is Jeffrey that the Holder? Oh, yeah. If yeah, the yeah. Uncola, right? Seven Up, the Uncola. Oh, he would sit yes. in that big chair. But he yeah. reminded me of. Is it Titus? Oh God! What's his last name? Oh, Titus Burgess. Burgess from from he, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh Absolutely, <laughs> yes. You know when he was playing it, like he was like this really scary bodyguard, and you're like, "Come on, Queen! Come yeah. on!" Ah, you know, like oh, really. Lord. Don't you feel good about it? <laughs> 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 it's a character from the comics. You know him, oh, him yeah. and, uh, and the other the guy. The other the yeah, asp. the asp. That's it. It's all I very know. very sensitive. These portrayals. One of my neighbors is in the movie. Actually, what? Wayne Salento, I believe is how his last name. He's he's uh, oh. he's one of Tony. Actually, he's a he's a choreographer yeah. and a dancer. He's oh. the photographer in it. He lives oh. around the block from me. I see him walking the photographer all the time. on the steps. Yeah. When, when I thought he was great, I actually yeah, yeah, noticed yeah. him, and I was like, God, that guy's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. It just it just a uh, Carol. Even Carol Burnett's performance, as great as it was, it just couldn't lift the movie for me. I just I. I I just found it uninspired. I didn't like it. There's nothing I, about it. I never got excited. I was never like, yeah, Albert Finney, I thought was funny when he first came out and was just yelling all the time. But then after a while, I just, I was like, I, I, I found him to be know. so lovely and moving and well modulated for he playing. Had a nice as arc it went along. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His arc was nice, but I just, maybe it's just the story itself. Maybe it's the story of Annie that I just don't. I mean, it's a lovely story. You know, it's, like Captain America, like a lot of things, it's it was created. It was a bit of uh, pro-American propaganda, pro-capitalist right. propaganda in the wake sure, of the yeah. depression. Like like don't don't despair. The American way 
It is the way. <laughs> yes. And they even have a line That's where right. Anne Ranking is like, you know, these terrorists want to kill Daddy Warbucks because he's proof that the American uh, dream works or that the American system mm. actually right. can work. You know, it's all about like selling you the idea like, yeah, these are lean times. But look, here's this wish fulfillment fantasy. And and, yep. you know, you could be yep. literally an orphan, a, a pauper in the streets and and fate can step in and take a hand and lift you up. And it's the American dream. And and, 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 and else, she would have get the new there. deal. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And I, I thought that it's so interesting having FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt be a part of the movie and have like the yeah. very the, the Republican and Democrat argument kind of going on while Annie just looks wide eyed at the whole thing mm -hmm. and then brings them together through. So I, I was like, I, I wrote a note. I was like. Annie could get these motherfuckers to wear a mask. I was like, I was like, Annie brings people together. Annie, Annie crosses the divide. The sun will come out tomorrow, so you gotta hang on till tomorrow. Come what may, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love ya. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. Uh, Amanda Daner, she's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stage director from Trinity Rep. She did our Pride and Prejudice, Kate's Pride and Prejudice, mm. that we did off-Broadway where I played Darcy and Kate played Lizzie. She was the director of that. She's been known for for years, maybe decades now, as like this kind of unsung mega genius of the American theater. But after was Adrian she was, Hall, was she, she was like the She was supposed person. to do Annie? She did Annie. And her conceit, and it gives me chills every time I think about this, show ends, Annie's in the orphanage. It was a dream. It was her fantasy about being Aww. saved from the orphanage. Aww. And it was apparently like it sent like shockwaves. Like people were like, I remember hearing about this blew, production. It yeah. blew their minds. And some people mm. loved it. Some people hated it. Kids were crying. You know, like <gasps> other people were like, she is the, the, the mad genius of American theater. But oh. she was like, this is what it's just the unrealism of that story, like being plucked from obscurity and having those adventures and being, you know, taken in by a kindly billionaire, you know, that it just not that it was too much to bear that she had to like cut the legs out from under it. But she was like, but that would be a, an orphan's fantasy. It is an orphan's fantasy. So mm -hmm. why not let her still remain there in the orphanage? And it was just a, a single moment, but I can't get it out of my head. Wow. And I had forgotten that story. Jeez. Kate reminded me of it. So I was two thirds of the way through the movie and she was like, oh, you remember Amanda's production? And then I'm watching the rest of it and I was like, wow, I can't now I can't see it any other way than as mm. this girl's dream. This you girl's know dream. something which, it, which it, I kind of still love. Well, <laughs> I still think it's I, brilliant. I, I think it's wonderful, but it's it's making my heart sink so much that uh -huh. it's, it's putting me oh, in yeah. mind of what you're saying about like, OK, well, then wait, hang on. What is the ultimate message of this movie? And now I'm thinking that the ultimate message is, you know, um, uh, we need fantasy. <laughs> mm. You know, we we need to we we need to have dreams, and we need to have and the power of that, <laughs> and the power of luck, and the power of fantasy, and 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 ultimately the faith in people doing good. Yes. Right. And, yes. The, and that's, I think, what 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 it well, is. Well, that's the thing Whether with Annie, such plucky optimism. You that's know, that's right. that's that character. It's yeah. all plucky optimism. And right. yeah, so you do. Yeah, you do, you undercut that when you 
when you finish it with that ending, yeah, of you course. Know. I, I mean, say as an adult who makes theater and who likes to, especially when Miss Hannigan comes in and then shoots her <laughs> in that blackout. I like to, ah, I, I, ah, I, I, ah, as somebody who ah, likes to see ah, things flipped on their heads or see like a reimagining. Yes, yes it's a cool sure. ending. As a kid, no. I wouldn't like. You know, I mean, that's that can't be the way the movie ends. That shouldn't no. be the way. That shouldn't be the standard way that every production of this or that a Broadway production ends. But I think it's. But I think it's an interesting take on the material on that, that puncturing the balloon of this big listen film. i'll tell you something sure. there was izzy berman's izzy berman's hannigan everything else pshaw all other pshaw. miss hannigans They're that's what i kept thinking of watching this that's very true Pale in comparison that's true that's true insert clip of izzy playing miss hannigan here i have been in this business 52 years and i will I will, I've never seen anything like this. And reality is the situation. You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, how many Sheila's gentles? Three. No. Yeah. Eight, I didn't like it. Two, five. I would never want to watch this movie again. My kids didn't like it. The shine will come out. Do Richard Farnsworth doing tomorrow. Now, wait a second. Little, no, before that. The shine will come out tomorrow. No, it won't, Richard. Not for you. Why didn't you think of this before you got, you know, like, oh, well, this is an idea. And then grabbed the rifle. It was more than an idea. It was a reckoning. I had right, to do you're... it. My bare bum on the tractor couldn't take it anymore. And sometimes you got to take things into your own hands, literally and figuratively. That's what Fred's doctor said. Listen, <laughs> here's... Ah, the... Izzy watched this and did not think Carol Burnett was good? No, she did. She did. You got Carol it. Burnett's great. She's no, got great she... taste. She did. She loved Carol Burnett. Yes. She thought we were laughing a lot. We thought she was very funny. But then after all, she was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Ben couldn't stomach it at all. Even after Hard Knock Life? Come on. It doesn't get better yeah. than that. All right. I'm going eight on this. Solid eight. I loved it. Eight, 8.25 and three. <laughs> what did you give nothing but trouble? Did you, are you giving this lower than nothing but trouble? No, no. Uh-huh. you gave nothing, but we, Fred and I gave that n- nothing, the dregs that just, we gave it <laughs> no gum on the bottom of our shoes. I, I would rather drive endlessly into an apocalyptic wasteland of a junkyard life than ever watch nothing but trouble again. You son of a bitch. Hey, should we go to the mail sack? We got some stuff in the mail sack. Let's hit the mail sack. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Big wedding last week, remember? I do. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Let's see what's in here this week. (gasps) Look at this, you guys. Look. They're on their honeymoon. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, it's from Sheila. Hi, guys. Richard and I are on our honeymoon. Here are some photos. Oh, look, they took some Polaroids. Look at this. Uh, We've been, oh, we've been on the road. We've been all over the place. Uh, Richard has decided that for our honeymoon, he's going to take us to, oh, I don't know if this sounds fun. (laughs) He's going to take us to all of the different 
locations <laughs> where his movies oh god were oh, shot boy richard oh, look go. at the, oh look at this they spent a few nights look at this they spent a few nights in montreal in Duddy Kravitz's basement. Look at that. Jeez, that's look at that picture. Boy, that looks like fun. Wow. You can smell the mustiness of it. Yeah, yeah, you really can smell it. The mustiness of Montreal. Uh, oh, a couple nights in New York. Yeah. Oh, they stayed overnight at Bellevue because oh. of nuts. That's where they filmed nuts. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, oh, they, they spent a few nights uh, touring the sets of Lansky on the Lower East Side. <laughs> What that's that? How what fun is this for Shield? I, I don't know how. How are they getting from? She's a half murder hornet. I know, and he's a half a quail and half a salmon. How are they even getting from place to place? That's true. Well, they, they can. Have a they both have wings, right? I guess they, can they both, both fly. Is that how they're getting Oof. from place to place? I, I would. I guess so. Maybe. But who is letting them into these places? I mean, does he still know people? A window, just an open window. <laughs> 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 So it's a very cheap trip. It's not like they're buying a ticket to anything. I don't they're know. Just flying to sure. different areas and just going in or to or out of windows. Yeah, that's oh, how I spent my honeymoon. Good thinking. It's breaking and entering. <laughs> uh, oh, look at this picture. This has to be from. Uh, oh yeah, look, they're in New Guinea visiting the sets of Krippendorf's tribe. <laughs> that's a far way to fly. How did the hell did they get over there? Is Janet Elfman with them by any chance? I, it doesn't, I don't see her in the picture. She's but not there. <laughs> she, might have been take, she might have been holding the camera. Are these selfies? They can't, these can't be selfies. <laughs> how, is, how does a half a murder hornet and a half I, a quail and a salmon know. take so, a selfie? How can so, they even do that? So maybe they have a personal, I don't know, valet of some sort. Somebody who's, oh, God only knows. Oh, or they're just this, finding friendly locals. They, that could be. They could be bribing the locals with uh, honey and God knows what else. And then it's they a honey moon. I over see. Door. see I that's see. why they said he wasn't going to have a honeymoon. He was like, he was like, no, you shan't. We'll just go to our lovemaking quarters and uh, bang it out. And she was like, no, okay. I love honey. You love that one terrible movie you made with moon in the title. We must I go on a honeymoon. That movie. I never saw oh, a over I give that movie a higher Sheila than Annie. Ugh, oh, for God's sake. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because they did spend the last three nights in Paradise. Now, listen. <laughs> oh, sweet. I mean, it's amazing <sighs> if you think about it. I, I just recently listened to a bit of our very first episode. Oh, yeah. Where we got, it was our first letter from Sheila, yeah. Sheila from Sacramento. Yeah. And, you know, it's amazing that just this, this young girl is now getting to see, you know, just from a little small, small town in Northern California. Now she's getting to see the world with a <laughs> they didn't quail, go to a, sal- salmon, Richard Dreyfus. I know. I know. This is what the opening week podcast does for people. Yes. What were you going to say, Jason? Uh, 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 they didn't go to that uh, Devil's Canyon or um, the, the, the Devil's the, Tower. The Devil's Tower. Yeah. They didn't go um, say, he, did, he, wasn't, no, he wasn't saying this means something. Important while, while playing no. with his <laughs> his devil's tower, playing yeah. with, <laughs> playing with his, his mashed potatoes, which is I what his genitals that. look like after the operation. Well, that's what I was going to say. This last picture, I hope this is mashed potatoes. Oh, I, I, oh. it's a pile of white something. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry, I keep ruining all your bits. But I, no, I mean, it's quite all right. I mean, no, it's quite all the right. reading of the letter from the mail sent. <laughs> Uh, not a bit. That's not a bit. The person sent not, mail there's in. No, there's no bits. Um, as long as he's not saying goodbye, girl, to her, I'm fine mm, with it. The, wow. the 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 journey of Sheila 
is something that has been uh, epic, epic in scope, epic in, you know, just the, her her travels, her travels with the squad. If you're interested in knowing all about our Sheila and our Richard and all the rest, go back, listen, subscribe. You'll have free unlimited access to the entire saga of uh, of Sheila and Richard. Listen, yes. subscribe, give us five stars on the iTunes, also known as iTunes. And uh, I'll put a nice review on there. We love our listeners, especially Sheila. Congratulations, Sheila and Richard. Yeah, congrats, Sheila. This is amazing. We we are we are mad about you, just as you are mad about Max Bixford. <laughs> mad about Max. Bigford. Bigford. <laughs> mm, mad and Max. She's mad. Mad. Mm, mad about Max. Max. Come on, Bennett. Come on, Bennett. Come on, Bennett. Oh God, it's it's so the Road many. Warrior. <laughs> no, but I liked it, so it's the Road Warrior. In the future, cities will become deserts. Roads will become battlefields. And the hope of mankind will appear as a stranger. The Road Warrior. Pray that he's out there. Somewhere. Haunted by the death of his family, former policeman Max Rakatansky, played by Mel Gibson, now roams the desert wilderness of post-apocalyptic Australia in a scarred, black, supercharged V8 pursuit special, scavenging for few... For few... <laughs> I became Carol Channing. For f- <laughs> scavenging for feud and fuel. Scavenging for Scavenging. Corn. Scavenging for curing. <laughs> at Fred's doctor shops. <laughs> what did I find? <laughs> Scavenging. Uh-huh. <laughs> Scavenging for food and fuel, Max's only companion is an Australian cattle dog. The Road Warrior made $2.5 million over its opening weekend en route to a total box office of 23. I'm just, I, my mouth is not working. Anymore. Just start singing. We didn't start the fire. We Road Warrior made two point five over under overdrive, and then got the gas, and then they blew it up. Bunch of people flying around, and guy with mohawks in the town. Then the baby's on the thing. He looks like little Chucka from Land of the Lost. And what the fuck are you talking about? Listen. The Road Warrior. There's a movie called The Road Warrior. It made like 2.5 million over its opening weekend here in the States, here in the States, en route to a total box office of $23.7 million and spawned a couple more. Very, very well, one very, very good sequel. And, uh, you know, Thunderdome. I don't know. It's we can talk about that in another episode. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Mad Max 2? The Road Warrior. I love this goddamn movie so much. I will fight you. I will fight you. Ooh. I will take you down Ooh. and bite you. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. I love it. I is love it. it. I, I love never it. saw it until midnight last night. Wow. Correct. Never it saw is it in one my of life. these. 
one of these movies, and I'm gonna fight you because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up with another movie that I know you guys have disdain for. This movie and Blade Runner in the same are in the oh, same for world. God's for God's sake! Uh, Kidding. You guys kidding. are crazy. No, of course they uh, are in the same the, world. Yeah. I, I watched them around the same time. I saw this. I didn't see this movie when it came out, but I saw it very soon after. I saw it like right when it hit cable. And I know that because, again, I, and I mentioned this, I, I feel like when, on the last episode, I think when we did The Shining, that there were movies that I would sort of catch that my babysitter would watch. And there was Blade Runner. There was this one, The Road Warrior. There's The Shining, Clockwork Orange, you know, all these mm-hmm. sort of like, sort of, cult-ish movies. Like, mm-hmm. this to me is the most... This to me is like the ultimate cult film. But I remember seeing it on cable and I'd heard of it. I knew the... You know, I'd seen pictures. But I went the next year... Uh, well, no, not the next year. When I was in sixth grade for Halloween, I think I spoke about this, I went as Mad Max. You and this really was before did. Thunderdome because Thunderdome came out in 85, I believe. That was That's a lot of yeah. leather for you. For it was, like it was you. pleather. My mom made oh, it. I wish of course it course your me. It pains me that I have no pictures of this because no. I'll never forget my teacher in sixth grade, Mr. Gebick, was he could not get over this costume. He was a Astounded by it. Wow. He just, he couldn't, I remember I had like the, I had the, you know, the five o'clock shadow, the stubble. We made a, um, a sawed off shotgun out of toilet paper rolls. Wow. I mean, it was, it was full out. So I was, I was really sort of obsessed with this movie and did that Simona go as Lord Humongous or the kid <laughs> or who did she <laughs> the go The feral as? kid, the yeah. The feral kid, good. She'd be great as that. Um, and then I remember <laughs> I, I, I actually had a, uh, a Mad Max poster in my room above my bed. It was like right before Thunderdome came out. Mm. And then when Thunderdome did mm-hmm. come out, I was, I think I was a little disappointed. I actually want to do a rewatch on that because I feel like, yeah. I feel like I would enjoy it more. I feel I've like at the time it was, I, I, I might've thought that like they were cuting it up a bit, that it was becoming a little like, you know, Ewoky with Return of the Jedi, <laughs> you know, with all the kids. George Miller did that one too, correct? Or no? Did he direct them, that? He directed all of them, right? Yeah, I remember I had only seen Thunderdome on video probably in 85 or 86. And, you know, but that was the most commercial of them. It was the one yes. that had the biggest release and it had Tina Turner mm. in it. And it just had the song attached to it. We don't need another hero. And yeah. it just was uh-huh. the, most Holly- the most Hollywoodized, you know. Yes. Uh, and, I think they, were, they softened it up a bit. Yeah. As well, yeah, but sure. I but I've spoken to other, I haven't now I haven't seen it in a long time, but I've spoken to people who've gone back and revisited and saying it actually really holds up and it's a lot of fun and it's a nice arc, and then of, co- of course Fury Road, which was one of my uh, favorite movies the, of that year. I mean, best, I, it's, it's, it was my favorite. It was the best movie of two thousand. It's amazing. I don't I don't go I don't. I like you it. know, I don't see the same movie several times over in the movie theater. I saw that one like three or four wow. times in the theaters just because it's such I'm an experience. Away. And this oh, one yeah, reminds really me is. of that. I'd never seen this. And I was yeah. like, oh, you can see I, I, much more of the DNA of Fury Road is in this than I think in Thunderdome from what I remember, which I have not yes. seen in a long well, time. This but. is the Road mm. Warrior. This is to me. It's the pinnacle of the series. Mad Max. I hadn't seen as a kid. I, you know, I saw the Road Warrior many, many times before I ever saw Mad Max. I actually just oh, rewatched wow. Mad Max just a couple of weeks ago. I was flipping through and it was on. I'm not crazy about it. 
It's very different. Very different. It's I almost, watched it right before watching this because I was like, I'm not going to be able to follow this unless mm. I watch Mad Max. I was, I, it, you don't need to see it. You don't not need to all. see it. But I did watch it and I, I agree with you. It's t- so different. So different tonally. Everything about yeah. it. There's there's almost even like a- I liked it though. It's, almost, it's good, but it's almost got like an- like a sixties, more of like a sixties, like late sixties, yeah. easy rider feel to it. You know, like that yeah. type of gonzo cult thing. Yes. Whereas yes. this is just, it leans into something else, you know, it just yeah. goes in a different direction. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Great. It's chaos. <laughs> and what, and, and George Miller is such an amazing world builder he's where he's created brilliant. this world. You know, it's like you watch Fury Road and there's a dude chained to a truck playing electric guitar. Insane. You so know, good. flames. And you buy it and you're like, that's just the world. You know, this, right. to me, this movie, this must have been the inspiration for Burning Man in so many ways. The road oh, warrior yeah, that is. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's really about, it, he's created this world where it's like the, the, you know, shit's gone down, everything's destroyed, and people can be whoever they want to be. They go back to, like, their primal id. And you want to wear a pink stole and dye your hair pink yeah. and do that, you know? Yeah. That's what it is. And 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 in many ways, so I, I always put this movie and Blade Runner in the same world because, one, I saw them at the same time, and mm. they really had just affected me and had such an influence on me. But also because I think— in the same way, they changed the landscape. We talked about this with Blade Runner and whether yeah. you guys, you know, whether the movie, you know, impacted you as much as it did. For me, I, you both agreed that, like, that set the tone in terms of style. Like, style yeah. and design for sci-fi movies was never the same after Blade Runner. And I think the same is true for The Road Warrior. This set that tone for that, like, post-apocalyptic punk yeah. junk wasteland yeah. you know it's so funny that you compare them because yes they are both dystopian future visions but one is really fun and kinetic and <laughs> and one is not that's the very different styles yeah different they're very different styles which and yeah. and i like that about both of them greetings from the humongous the lord humongous the warrior of the wasteland the of rock and roller. There's barely any dialogue. Yeah. There's barely a, there's barely any plot, really. It's right. a really sparse plot. It's very simple. It's a tight it, little 90 minutes, too. So is Mad Max. 90 yes. minutes. It's like boom, boom. These are tight little short movies. Yeah. But, and in this, I mean, he barely, I mean, the most he says is that line. Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. You were so right about the world building. You know, this this trickled into um, all kinds of different, um, all kinds of different uh, media, all kinds of different entertainment. As did That's Blade Runner, you know, and and it tr- trickled right into the WWF and and into Absolutely. the and into the, the NWA, yeah. what was called the NWA or the WCW. The Road Warriors were like the favorite tag team of me and my best friend, Nick, they would enter to Ozzy Osbourne's Iron Man or Black Sabbath's Iron Man. And they looked like these characters. And then WWF kind of sort of had their copycat guys who were called Demolition and literally were dressed like Lord Humongous. And, and you know, and it was like, who are those? But I never watched this movie because I was too scared of it. I was, oh, yeah. it was one of those movies that I was like, nope, this movie's going to be too much for me. It's too scary. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I never watched any of them, not any of the three. I still haven't seen Thunderdome, but I watched um, 
Mad Max in order to prep for this. Yeah, very different, very sad kind of movie, but a really different world. And that's what I was missing from that movie is what's the setup for why the world is this way? Mad Max doesn't give you that. They don't no. it just say it's just a little thing in the beginning that says in the near future or something mm-hmm. or, you know, at some point in the future. That's all you get. You don't get the story of what happened to society in this movie. You do. And I think that's one of the things about Mad Max. I was like, I kind of need that. And this movie gets you that you have that opening, you know, narration um, that gives you what the fuck happened and how did the world become this way. And I think that is really, it's really powerful and really brilliantly done. And then how it's in the, it's like the, in the small aspect ratio, ratio, like a television show, it's just TV news footage. And then all of a sudden it opens up and you're on the road and it's so propulsive and you're like, Oh Jesus Christ. It's so, it's so good. Very well done. George Miller is amazing. There's a lot of, uh, I see a lot of early Sam Raimi and early Peter yes. Jackson in his style yeah. too. Oh, yeah. he's so funny too. He's so funny. George Miller's Very funny. such yep. a visual wit. That 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 shot of like Bruce Spence like taped up there, and the dog <laughs> has the gun trained on him with the bone in his mouth, and it's like it's so yeah. fucking funny. And the, yeah. there's something even Tim Burtony about it too. It's like so weird. It's such a weird. It seems like a, a the whole thing seems like a cartoon R. Crumb would have drawn of like like yes dirty like when the, after the apocalypse and then it's like so <laughs> weird and like no but then like even when they get into the to the the mining facility you know there's the mechanic who's like hanging from yeah, you know that yeah. um, from, from the crane the yeah. apparatus and when he's you know looking at the car and he's like yeah it's this and then the other guy's repeating what he's saying yeah, and they're going that's it's a like, funny sequence yeah. very funny and but nothing's like ridiculous but it really right. is no, yeah it's, it's like, like someone crazy world it's so it's good. crazy exactly you're exactly right it's like someone just drew the craziest stuff but it all it all makes oh. sense oh yeah it has an integrity this is a huge fantasy landscape yeah. and it is arch and crazy and funny and not realistic at all but it is but it's it's kineticism is so it's so real you feel everything you're sucked in so completely that you you go for the ride and you're white knuckling it through this thing and you're delighted i mean things that i normally would be like i don't want to see a fucking truck smash somebody's head, but I, but you, I do want to, and this is where I just want to see things go smash them up and splat real good. Yeah, Fred, just, Fred wanted to see that in Annie. He wanted that to happen. Just like, most of the it's characters. not realistic. She doesn't fall, and and if she, if Annie hit, would just hit the pavement at the proper velocity after climbing that thing. <laughs> then you got a movie. No, I shave that big red afro into a red mohawk. Now you got me. That's right. Played that's by, played by, played by Vernon. Okay. Vernon Wells. Gotta Come on, talk Bennett. About Vernon Wells, who is Bennett from Commando. Yes. Come on, Bennett. Come on, Bennett. Come on, Bennett. And also, he plays basically the same character as he does here. Wes, he plays in Weird in Science. Weird Science. Science. He's parodying yep. himself in Weird yes. Science, as are all mm-hmm. of those guys. I, I, he's great. He's, he's very good. He's very, amazing. Very good. He's fucking he's really terrifying. Fun. And I, you know, another thing that I love about this movie that George Miller does, and that he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, uh, there's no commentary on it. He plays into the homoeroticism of this movie and like yes. that, the, the mm-hmm. S&M, the bondage, yeah. you know, that, that blonde kid who gets the fucking boomerang to the head. Yeah. That's obviously that's so Wes's good. like little, lover. you know, yeah. like lover, or, you know, yeah. like boy toy. Yeah. And there's and, no and, comment and on Max that. does the same thing as well. The, the yes, earlier right. movie does the same thing as well. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the world now. 
This is you love who you love because because this is the societal rules no longer dictate, you know, right and wrong or more moral or immoral or yeah. there's no fucking, you know, no one is preaching anything to anybody other than right. we need this gas. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they do a lot Gasoline. of driving for people who need gas. <laughs> They do a lot of driving in circles for people who are like, gas is the thing we need most. Ah. Well, amazing that this and Annie came out on the same day. You know yeah. what I mean? Where, where, when what we were talking about. Yeah, with where Annie two about- children with bad hair coming from poverty <laughs> have very different... <laughs> If Annie, to had a, if Annie had a bladed boomerang <laughs> and threw that into Daddy Warbucks's head, I would have been in. <laughs> Why would she be throwing it at Daddy Warbucks's head? Why not? Because he's got the she? biggest She's head. feral. She lives on the Lower East Side. She can go where she, well, she lives <laughs> in the sewer. She's the biggest the target. And Annie. then she throws it. She cuts off Rooster's fingers. That would have been amazing. Oh, that, that would have been great. Fantastic. That kid that was, is Emil Minty. Is yeah. his name? Um, I, I, yeah, I love it. I love how the desperation of the whole thing. I just love how visceral yeah. and propulsive it is. I, I'm surprised by how funny it was and how uh, enchanted is the wrong word for it. But I, mm. I've never wanted to go back and watch this because I thought. That Fury Road was, I thought, well, this is the height of it, you know, Mm. just based on the way people were talking about it, like nominated for the Oscars and stuff. I was like, this is he's distilled it and he's gotten whatever he was doing with the previous films. Maybe maybe they're nothing like this because I'd only seen Thunderdome. And to me, that's not really anything like Fury Road. I don't Mm. remember it. You know, it just didn't feel the same. I thought, well, this is this is him playing on a whole other level. But no, it's it's this is very much like. Fury Road. And I, I, I think I thought it was just going to feel like an assault. And that's probably what I felt as a kid. Like, "Ah, I don't want to watch this thing, but it's so exciting and so engaging and so fun and so clever, even in in its, its overall simplicity, I guess, in terms of plot and stuff. It's, it's, it's really mesmerizing. It's very seductive. And I don't really think about George Miller that much. I mean, I loved a lot of his movies, but I don't think about him that much when I think of like favorite directors or something, but I, but Mm. just road warrior and fury road and babe and babe pig in the city. You think those four movies that's, and that's not all I know him from, but those are probably the most impressive visual you know, like the boldest directorial uh, swings I've I've seen him take because he also did Witches of Eastwick. He's done a lot of things where, that I like, but are not. Oh, for goodness' sake! I mean, Witches of Eastwick I didn't know is he did Witches of yeah, Eastwick. It's great. Oh, wow. It's great, but it doesn't have as much of his Gonzo personality as these other <laughs> films do. But the the vast divide between something like Babe and something like oh, Fury God. Road, it's crazy yeah. that the same person made those movies. The juice. The precious juice was hidden in the vehicles. As for me, I grew to manhood. In the fullness of time, I became the leader, the chief of the great northern tribe. And the road warrior? That was the last we ever saw of him. How many Sheilas? <laughs> How many Sheilas? Ten. Ten? Ten Sheilas. I love this movie. There's nothing. I there's there's nothing about it that uh, that I have a peccadillo about or find mm. wrong about it. Mm. I love it. it. It it ticks off all the boxes for me in terms of nostalgia being an important movie. I mean, I, this movie was really really important to me as a kid when I saw it, and uh, it it has 
it has been a touchstone movie for me throughout the years. Like when I meet people, like my neighbor around the corner, Sean, when we discovered that we both love Road Warriors, like, okay, that's it, Brothers for Life. Oh, um, you know, it's it's one of those movies that when I find people who really love it as well, it's exciting and it's and it's remained. And in rewatching it over the years, it always holds up. And I would give Fury Road a 10 too. I would meet them both there. To me, they're both in the same. Right. This same is spectrum. this is nine for me. Fury Road is 10. Oh my. This is an 8.5 for me. Uh, what I give Annie? Did I give Annie an 8.5? You gave it eight, I think. You gave it Wait. eight. Yeah, you gave it eight. I like this a little bit more than Annie. Little, a little bit more? Little a little bit more. Bit more. They were both delightful. They're really the same movie when you, <laughs> when you really break it down. Because it's a hard knock life for all of them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it is a hard knock life for everybody in these movies. That's true. You know? But there's hope at the end. As long as the hero comes in, whether it's Daddy Warbucks, whether it's Mad Max, somebody comes in to save the day. Who's going to save the day next week, gentles? <laughs> well, it's none other than Chevy Chase. <laughs> as Fletch. That's right. We're going back to May 31st, 1985. We mentioned this on uh, our 50th episode. Uh, we uh, There was only one major release that weekend. It was Fletch, the Michael Ritchie comedy um, starring Chase and kind of one of his most successful uh, big screen outings. Uh, and we are going to pair that since it's only one film. We're going to take that opportunity to list our top 10 favorite comedic performances on film this might be the hardest list with the most yeah. honorable mentions and cheats i don't know i just don't know it's so hard i thought it was it's going tough. to be a, i don't know why i thought it would be any easier it's really not but we cannot uh, do television no television allowed i i mean you do what you want but i i i, I can't imagine that there aren't yeah if i include television i've got a couple if I include television, television. Carol O'Connor is the top of the right. list. But if it's if it's Let's not keep it to films, I, I just think there's such an embarrassment of riches on film that I I don't even need to dig into. Uh, Fast to forward to Fred's number one being the cast of Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, I thought about it, you guys. And I know we said no TV, but ah, James Franco is dreamy. Um, <laughs> He's very funny. Bill Bixby is my number one. Incredible Hulk. Be hilarious. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's, there are some running themes here on opening weekend. Um, we, some things some. we come back to again and again. I, ah, you son of a bitch. Uh, yes. So Fletch and our top ten favorite comedic performances on film next week on opening weekend. Dan, what you got? The theme from Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. I assume. <laughs> We don't need another hero. We don't need another Two men enter, one man leaves. Two songs from Annie enter, one might leave. What that means? We'll do a little hard knock life, and then we got to do a little sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. All right, let me tune up. Oh my goodness! All right, here we go. That's the note I want. Oh, <laughs> 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 
Oh my god. Uh, everything sounds all right back here, Mr. Berman. <laughs> I throw this glove away. And now let's work on the front. <laughs> the opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. I just want to be doing this. I want to be doing Photoshop, pictures of us. I don't I care know. about anything <laughs> else. Even when Lion King's open, I will do my commitment to you. Go ahead. Committed as Barbara was in nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 That's a plan. Right. Worries because she was very committed to her work, but then I know she was also committed in the film. <laughs> See, no. you should have been doing Dreyfus. Your Dreyfus is impeccable. No, the mail sack. My Dreyfus is just your Dreyfus, which yeah. is just all of our Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Just doing your Dreyfus. My Dreyfus is the worst Dreyfus. I, I know I can't do an impersonation of him. I do really good bad impersonations of people. There's not there's not one person that I do a good impersonation of, but I can that's do like a really true. bad version that you're like, oh, I think that's sort of. That might be that person. Listen, but I'm not. calling the Richard Farnsworth estate to see <laughs> oh if he God. has if he has any you know autobiographical material that needs to be recorded. I mean, that's a deep cut, man. but that is like uh, that is an unparalleled. Richard Farnsworth is Chuck Barris in the Chuck Barris story. Coming up, we got more stuff. <laughs>